Good morning. I am one of three siblings. My older sister was four years older. She passed away in 2007. And I have a younger brother, three years younger. And we were raised in a family where excellence was key. We were taught to be proud of who we are, proud to be an Andrews. And whenever we were out in the world, we were always told that we needed to act the way an Andrews would act. That you were always polite and respectful. And that when you greeted people, you'd look them straight in the eye and you said your name and you said it loudly and, are, and you were articulate when you said it and you were, gave a good handshake. So this pride in who you were and in being an Andrews was key in my estimation as we grew up. So my younger brother in his early to mid-twenties, I believe, decided to change his name. For his, for his own reasons, he went to court and had his name changed. And that was a painful time, a painful decision for my parents. And I almost took it as a personal affront that he would not want to be known as an Andrews out in the world after we had been raised to just be proud of who we were and who we are. And so I had all these judgments about him and his journey. It never occurred to me to talk to him about his journey. Uh, we just saying about God will work through an open mind. I certainly did not have an open mind at the time. As the years went on, when my sister passed away, my brother was there for a time and then left very quickly. And in 2009, my father passed away. My brother was there, but left very quickly. He stayed, I think, perhaps overnight. And the same happened when my mother passed away in 2015. And I felt my anger at him just kind of growing over the years. We were rarely in touch. In fact, I was in denial about being estranged. From him. I didn't want to ever use that word, estranged. If I was talking about it, and you know, I talked about it often because I got this drama I just have to share in my life. <laughs> you know how we just share our stories over and over again. So I shared that story often, but I didn't really connect my anger with what was really underneath it. You know, when my sister passed away, that was a tough, tough, she and I were very, very close. And I thought perhaps that when my sister died that my brother and I would become closer. That somehow her not being there would bond us in a way that nothing else could. And when that didn't happen, oh man, I, you know, I was just bereft, bereft. And then the, the anger continued to grow. I still never asked my brother what was going on with him. Why aren't you here? I had all kinds of judgment, all kinds of anger. 
I would call him and ask him for help, especially after my father died and my mother needed assistance with things. I was living here in Texas. My mother was living in New Jersey where we grew up and my brother was in Boston. He could get to New Jersey so much more quickly than I could, so much more easily. And there were times I would call and say, gee, can you go down to New Jersey and help out mom? And you know, I wouldn't get calls back and he wouldn't text me back, things like that. So I would jump on the plane and go up and take care of things. And the, the anger just mounted, just mounted. And the judgment just got larger and larger, and my internal feelings about him just grew and expanded. I didn't know how much until probably very recently. I always hoped for reconciliation with my brother. And in these intervening years, I first became acquainted with Unity and Unity principles in 2002. So I was early in my understanding of things about God being in all things, about there being this, this goodness that is at the back of all things. I was new in that, so I didn't really know that, and I really didn't have an understanding of it. And so I, I really thought and felt that I was victimized by him. And I just wanted him to get it right. I want you to get it right. Get it right, apologize, come to me, make it right, and do it on my time. <laughs> do it on my time. Do it on my time. But I still hoped for reconciliation. I wanted my brother. And I really wanted family because here, one after another, my immediate family is passing away. And for those of you who don't have either parent living, you know what that feels like. It's one thing when one parent dies, but when the second one goes, it's different. I felt untethered. I felt like there was no safety net anymore. I felt like I was just out here on my own. And here was this brother of mine who I felt so disconnected from. And I, it just wasn't working. It just didn't work. And so of course my judgment and my anger is still growing. Still growing. And I had hope that something would change. That he would come to his senses. <laughs> come to me with an open heart, even though I'm sure that my energy all the time when I was around him was anything other than open. Because even though we don't tell people we're angry at them, even though we don't tell people what we really feel, they know what we feel because they feel our energy. And I know I had to be given something negative off all the time when he was near me. I know he must have felt that when I would call or leave him a text. And so as my spiritual understanding grew, I knew that at some point, at least I was going to have to start letting go of the stories I had about him. And I said, I'm not going to say them out loud. If I can't do anything else, at least I can shut up. 
and be quiet about the drama and about my stories, all my stories and judgments about him, all the negative things I had to say about him over and over and over again. I'm just going to shut up and not say it. And so when I would feel those stories coming up in conversations with people, I would just sometimes stop midstream and segue into something else. And I would have to say to myself, don't say it, don't say it, don't repeat the story, don't repeat the story. But it was the best I could do at the time. And I still had hope that things would change. So I dealt with that and dealt with life and dealt with him like that for a while. Then I moved into the next phase, which was I'm going to start thinking of him now with love. And I'm not going to call or text him unless I'm doing it purely out of love for him with no agenda and no strings attached. <laughs> so the calls were few. <laughs> because I had a lot of work to do. I had a lot of work to do. But on his birthday and other times, when I just really wanted him to know that I loved him and that he was important to him, I would reach out. And I would text or I would call. And I would just say hi. I just wanted to know that you're okay. I wanted you to know that I'm thinking of you and that I love you. And I would hang up. And I wouldn't say anything about, you owe me a phone call. Why don't you call? Why don't you call me back? What's wrong with you? How come you're not fixing this? You owe me an apology. None of that. I just didn't. And if I knew that that was anywhere in my energy or in my mind, I wouldn't make the call or text. I just would not because I wanted to be able to, to be open to him with love. So that was the next level. And we're talking about years now. So from 2007, my sister passing, 2009, my father passing, through those years, my mother moved to Texas in 2010 after she sold the house in New Jersey. You know, things are happening. I'm working on me, working on me. Because somewhere I knew, just like in the song, the song was perfect to him. That God works through an open heart, an open mind. I had to open up. And in the midst of that, I created a quiet place, like Michael Gott's song, a quiet place within my heart and mind. Because I had to be still to know when do I do what I'm called to do, if I'm called to do something with the situation. All my life, I ran into situations to make them work and to do something with them, to resolve it on my own. And about half the time, I drove stuff in the ditch. Well, probably more than half. <laughs>
So, gosh, how many years have passed? This is 2021. So it's 13 years since my sister passed. She passed in 2007, my father in 2009. Just two months ago, I was going through some of my father's prayer books. And I'm just like him. I stick things, cards that people send me, uh, poems that I love, bookmarks that I love that have positive things. I stick them into books. And when I go to read them or open them up again, then I find these things again. And so I opened up one of my father's prayer books because I was feeling like I wanted to feel near to him. And so I opened one of the things that was dear to him. And I found this letter that my father, that my brother wrote to my father and some other people back in 2009, just a month before my father passed. And it was a letter about a spiritual retreat he was going on. And he was going to be away for two weeks. And what this retreat meant to him, what this new level of expression in his life, how important that was to him personally and what that meant for his life vision moving forward. And I... I could not remember if I had gotten a letter. And actually, if I, when I was honest with myself, I knew that it was okay if he did not send me that letter back in 2009 because I probably could not have received it with love and with an open heart. So I let that go and I just read the letter. And I was moved by my brother's calling the reasons why he wanted to do this retreat. And then I thought, gosh, this is one month. Actually, it was just a couple of weeks before my father passed. And when he was leaving the retreat, it was two days before my father died. Two days. And I wondered, what must that have been like for him to come out of two weeks of isolation? And to step into the world. And your father's dying. I've been on retreats. I've been on two or three day retreats. And it's different when you come back into the world. You almost have to debrief. And somehow bring yourself back to the world. And it's a process. So I could not imagine what two weeks away was for him. And then a step into the world where your father is dying. And my heart broke for him. My heart broke. And I called him. Actually, I texted him. And I said, I found your letter from June 2009. And if you're willing, I'd like to talk to you about what that was like to step back into the world two days before our father passed. What was that like for you? And I got a text back within an hour. I've never gotten a text back from my brother that quickly. And he said, I'd be happy to talk to you. I'd be happy to talk with you. And he said, let's set a time. And I texted right back when I got that text. And I said, well, let's put something on the calendar. This is, what, this is when I'm free. And for a couple of days, we texted back and forth to set a time to talk. That's the most we had texted, or 
been in communication in over 15 years. 15 years. We set a time to talk three days later on a Wednesday night. And my brother and I talked for four hours. Four hours. And we said things to each other that we had never said before. We were vulnerable. We were open. He told me about what that time was like for him. He told me that he had had a last conversation with my father as he was on his way to that retreat. And because he was headed out into a rural area, he lost the connection in the midst of that conversation. That was the last time he heard my father's voice. And then he did that spiritual retreat. And then when he came out, two weeks later, two days before my father passed, there were all of these texts and phone calls that we had been leaving him, telling him, it looks like Dad doesn't have much time left. Where are you? Where are you? And my mother, I vaguely remember, it said, your brother's away at a retreat. And all I could think of was, where are you? Why aren't you answering your calls? I wasn't thinking about him at this retreat. I wasn't thinking that perhaps he was somewhere where he couldn't receive a phone call or a text. None of that mattered to me because I was so steeped in my own stuff the whole time. So wrapped up in my own grief. So wrapped up in all of that anger that had been building up all that time. So we talked about all of that. We opened our hearts. We talked about growing up. We talked about what it was like growing up in a home where your parents don't have a happy marriage and how that affected our lives to this day. We admitted things to each other that we had probably never said out loud before. And then I finally said, you know what, I'm sorry. I have been angry all of this time at you and I never asked you what was going on in your life. I'm sorry I gave up so much negativity to you. I'm sorry for all of the drama. Because really, the reason I was angry is because I felt so alone. So alone. Everybody was dying. Everybody that knew me all of my life was gone. And all I wanted was you. And I was angry that you weren't here when I needed you. I was angry, but all I've done all this time is miss you. I miss you. I miss you. And the two of us cried. You know, if I had rushed in and tried to resolve our differences, Long before that night, I don't think it could have happened like that. But when I waited for divine wisdom, divine wisdom to inspire me to step forward, when I spread that letter, because I knew somehow right away, 
And it wasn't like a conscious decision. I knew in my heart something was right. And after I read it two or three times because I wanted to feel my brother's spirit in that letter, that's when I tested it. All those years, all those years, I'm so glad I resisted the temptation to rush in and make it work myself. Especially in the midst of all that anger. You know, there is perfection in this world. There is perfection that can happen in all of our circumstances if we will wait upon the Lord. If we will wait for divine vision, wisdom, divine vision, calls forward into a moment that's perfect. If we will just wait, miracles can happen that we can't make happen from our personality selves. Because I imagine a million things had to happen in my life and in my brother's life in order to make that moment happen like it did, to make those four hours be as sacred and loving and open and authentic like they were. I had never been that open with my brother ever in my life. And so no matter what your understanding of God is, if your understanding of God is that there is this entity that makes things work, then that's good. Wait upon the Lord to bring that forward, to call you forward. If you believe that God is this entity, this energy, this goodness, that pervades and animates everything in the universe. Then wait upon divine wisdom. Divine wisdom that knows all things, that knows all of the things within our hearts. Because what my heart truly needed and wanted was my brother, the way he was in those four hours. What he probably needed at that very moment in those four hours was me as I showed up in those four hours. Not the angry, judgmental Kim that was there the years before. And when I thought of it afterwards, I thought, what absolute perfection was right there at that time. Because I trusted, because I sat in the quiet place, because I opened my heart and mind, allowing divine wisdom, allowing God to work through me to bring something about that I have wanted, I have wanted, I have wanted for years, for years, years. And I believe that there is something calling all of us in some situation in our lives. There is something that is good, that is all love, that is God, that calls us forward into things, but calls us gently into them, that says, let me make this path clear for you. Just do this one thing. And so I knew at some point, let go of the story. I knew that the next step along the path, years later, was open up with love. And only communicate with love with your brother. And I knew the next thing after that was just wait, just love him from where you are. 
But that is important. Even though he didn't know I was doing that work, it was necessary for me to do that work. I had to wait upon the Lord. I had to wait for divine wisdom to work through me, to change me, to know that he didn't owe me an apology. I was the one who needed to apologize. I was the one. I had to wait until I had that realization. We have to wait sometimes. We have to wait, we have to wait, we have to wait and listen and learn. Because there's a moment of perfection waiting for us in every situation. There's a moment of perfection, even in the most difficult of situations, and probably especially in the most difficult of situations, that's when we need to wait. But that is also the time, because it was for me, those are the times when I'm going to rush forward and say, I better do this. I'm going to take a full bottle horn to make this work, because that's what I do. That's what I do. And when we wrestle things to the ground, it rarely works as wonderfully, as lovingly, as perfectly as they could if we would just wait upon divine wisdom. The answer's there, and it may take time, but the things that happen in that time are necessary. Perhaps we need to change. Perhaps we need to shift. Perhaps there's something we just need to let go of. Perhaps we need to unclench our fist and stop white-knuckling it through life. Perhaps we just need to let go, open up the chest, breathe in, stop being so contracted, and open up so that God can work through you, so that spirit can work through you. Open heart, open mind. It's not just enough to open this, open up the Sit in the quiet place of your heart. Sit in the quiet place of your mind so you can hear and feel what's next. The answers are always, 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 did I say always? <laughs> there. Always there. Always there, no matter what your dilemma is. I believe that each of us comes here with something deep in our hearts. And divine wisdom is aware of it. God is aware of what's deepest in your heart. And so even though I knew I wanted resolution years ago, decades ago, divine wisdom knew, God knew, spirit knew, the universe knew what would really, really, really speak to my heart. That was those four hours. Four hours. Thirteen years after my anger started to build. Thirteen years I needed to shift. Something had to change, and it was me. Usually, I think, when we're starting, when we believe with all our hearts that the other person that needs to change, that's when it's us that needs to change. When we're pointing our fingers at everybody else, they need to shift. They need to come to me. You need to apologize. 
You need to do this. If they can only do that, that's when we need to stop. Get in a quiet place and listen. What is mine to do? What is mine to do? And then wait. No matter how long it takes, moments of perfection and you know that divine wisdom just orchestrated something. It's a gift like you've never been given before. Think of those four hours now. If we never talk again, never talk again, I will treasure those four hours forever. forever. And I treasure my brother now treasured him before. I treasure our connection now like I've never treasured it before. I have treasured the gift of waiting and of being in a quiet place like never before. It's so important. So I invite you, I invite you in this moment to open heart and mind. Think about the things that are conflicts in your life. Think about the dilemmas that are presented to you now. Think about them. Know the things that you're asking for. Know that spirit knows what you deeply, deeply, deeply desire. Wait. When you hear that there's something for you to do, wait. And then wait again. This next step comes move. And then you can step into a perfection like never before. Never before. Let's take this in meditation. Let's take a deep breath together. in a quiet place. For what happens when we open our hearts and minds so that spirit can move through us. So let's think right now. Bring up a situation that's causing you grief and conflict now. And hold it in your heart. Hold it in your heart knowing that the perfect solution is waiting. Waiting to resolve it. To dissolve all the hate, the negativity, the toxicity, pain, the grief, the anger, the separation, 
we know and affirm right now that there is no separation ever, that we are connected to each other. In fact, we are one. We are one. One love, one heart, one humanity, one peace. We are harmony. There's something at the back of it, something that animates all of it. That knows the perfect time, the perfect place, the perfect circumstances for peace. For peace. And we open hearts and minds right now. And we are willing. And so it is, and so it shall be. Mm -hmm. 